I coach everybody. You know, we still coach the whole room because you never know, you know, when a guy's number is going to be called. So this year was different in that uh, a lot of different guys got an opportunity to play. As good as we thought Justin Jefferson was, you know, he even exceeded our expectations, I think. What is going on, Vikings fans? This is Chris Corso, and welcome to episode number 81 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Today is February 25th, and uh, right now we would be at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. And as producer Jay Nelson says on the script here, no Combine, no problem. The Vikings Entertainment Network has continued to put out great content on the website, on all of our digital platforms, our own Gabe Henderson has had all the interviews with the Vikings assistant coaches, all the coaching changes that we've covered over the past couple of weeks. Well, you can find some interviews with them on Vikings.com. And that's going to be one of the topics of today's episode. Like I said, it's number 81, which I believe, Jay, as I bring you in, that's the number of Anthony Carter. Am I correct there? Yeah, that's the old guy in me. I remember uh CC was Chris Carter was 80 and Anthony Carter was 81. So it was always fun to have an 80 or 81 Jersey when, when I was a kid and, and uh, just kind of made me smile and smirk a little bit and just think back to, to how good Anthony Carter was. We have a loaded episode today. Before I get to that though, speaking of old Vikings wide receivers, you bring up Chris Carter and Anthony Carter. I saw a highlight that sports center put out and it showed what Percy Harvin could do on the field, returning punts and, I know it's a quiet time right now, so that could be a little quick talker to start out this episode. Uh, I I tweeted it out. I think he was one of the most athletic players to grace a football field. I'm talking all positions, all history. I what he did, Jay. I I mean, it, it was unbelievable. He was electric. Uh, I remember, you know, there was the the character issue type stuff uh, that had happened when he was down at Florida, and there's a lot of questions. And Brad Childers had flown down to meet with him personally before we actually went to draft him. Uh, the fact that he had had fell to us at that point. I mean, he was one of the most dynamic college players, period, uh, in that year when he came out, and and in, in 09 when he came in as a rookie. When that guy was completely motivated, you were not stopping him. He was as dynamic as Tyree Kill, um, and just he could turn on this other extra jet. And good luck trying to get a hold of that guy. Um, and even after things were done here with the Vikings, uh, um, he went on to Seattle. You know, they brought him in, and and he was he had his health issues and that kind of stuff. But man, he he housed that kick in the Super Bowl, and that essentially won him the game. So. As as much as we you know we got a first round pick for him and all that kind of stuff, Seattle I'm sure was ecstatic with the fact they got a ring out of the situation. So Percy Harvin was one of the most exciting players that that I remember bursting onto the scene and, and joining this roster in a long time. So I did see that too. I saw it the other day uh, pop up and it just kind of made me smirk watching that guy because man, that guy was really really fun to watch. One of the fan favorites to say the least, but enough about the Vikings old school wide receivers here. Let's get to the episode. And today we have a jam-packed episode for a quiet week uh, in the NFL. We have co-defensive coordinator Andre Patterson, uh, the defensive line specialist, sits down with Gabe Henderson. Uh, That full video is on all the Vikings platforms. We're going to cover a little bit of that as the Vikings young pass rush is a big topic in the offseason, especially heading in to the draft and into free agency coming up here. Um, We also have uh, on Combine Week, the director of 
college scouting for the Minnesota Vikings. His name's Jamal Stevenson. Uh, we usually catch up with him at the Combine or at the Senior Bowl, um, which would have happened a few weeks ago. Uh, so a lot to learn from Jamal Stevenson in the Combine process this year, which is certainly a unique one and one that is not the same as of any year. So thank you to Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson. That content is coming up in the show And to round out the show, it's franchise tag season, uh, as Jay puts it. Um, That's coming up throughout the NFL. And obviously, you remember the Anthony Harris situation last year for the Vikings. He received the franchise tag. Jay has compiled a list of some of the top uh, franchise taggies, um, is how I'll put it. There's a lot of good players that will fall into that category, especially in the NFC North, which will certainly affect the Vikings. So um, that's what's going to round out the show. And we're going to get this thing started with a clip from Gabe Henderson's interview with Vikings co-defensive coordinator Andre Patterson. I was looking at a stat uh, earlier today, and it said at least seven defensive linemen on this Vikings roster played at least 290 snaps. Having to coach that and, and still, you know, keep the guys sane during a pandemic, what was that like for you? Well, I, I think for me, it wasn't it wasn't different because, you know, I coach everybody, mm-hmm. it, even the guys on the practice squad. You know, once you make the roster, you know, uh, and you and you have the guys that are on the active roster, you have the guys that are on the practice squad. You know, you may only suit up seven, you know, guys, maybe eight max on game day. You know, we still coach the whole room because you never know, you know, when a guy's number is going to be mm-hmm. called. So for me, that wasn't a change. The biggest change was the the volume of guys that actually got to play in the games during the course of the season Mm -hmm. this past year. So that was that was a big difference. And so um, it wasn't a difference as far as me trying to prepare those guys to play. It was a difference that, you know, you get used to, you know, I've I've been spoiled around here, you know, Mm -hmm. You know, our, our top guys rolled out every week. You know, you're going to have Limbo, you're going to have Shamar, you're going to have Griff, you're going to have D, you know, and, and those guys rolled out every Sunday. So this year was different in, in that uh, a lot of different guys got an opportunity to play. All right, so I listened to that interview uh, that Gabe did with Andre Patterson. And first of all, Gabe's doing a great job um, really getting, getting to know these coaches. He hasn't really been able to meet them in person. So uh, the conversations that, that he had um, with Andre Patterson here, um, I really enjoyed it. I would encourage all Vikings fans to check out the full video on Vikings.com. Um, but Andre Patterson, man, I, I couldn't respect more the things that he's done um, with this Vikings young defensive line, Jay. And, and I bring that up because, uh, as he said in that interview, this was the first season where he hasn't been spoiled, to say the least, um, with the Linval Josephs, the Everson Griffins, the Daniil Hunters, who was injured, even Anthony Barr. I know he's not a defensive lineman, but um, being a part of that unit and, and of course, being a pass rusher uh, that he can use, uh, all those guys were unavailable to him this season. And as he put it, this might have been the most enjoyable season for him as a teacher and a coach. I really enjoyed the way he spoke uh, so humbly about about how he was able to mentor and teach some of these young rookies on the Vikings defensive line this past season. Yeah, there's a reason why all of these guys, no matter who they are that come through this, this system in the program, absolutely just glow about their time working with Andre Patterson. They understand he's got pro football hall of famers that have worked with him that always talk about how great he is. Even the, the, the guys that come in that, that feel like, you know, they're not necessarily on starter caliber to start, 
but the growth process that they go through, not only from here, but when potentially at times they move on to other clubs, they always talk about their time working with Andre Patterson. And like you said, that the, I guess the humble nature of it, uh, Gabe asked him a question about, you know, what keeps you motivated for, for the last 39 years of, of doing this kind of stuff. And, and he, he said, he just still loves teaching. And, and kind of cracks a joke that his wife kind of asked him the same thing. You know, why do you keep doing it this, this long? Um, I think for a guy like Andre, the fact that he's as tight as he is with, with coach Zimmer, he's as tight as he is with the guys in his classroom. And, and he just talked about how many people saw serious reps where normally, if you think about it, these kind of guys are used to having your, your bread and butter guys that are there week in and week out. And, and given the fact that a, a couple of your, your big puzzle pieces that you had expected to be a part of this defense were out for the majority of the season. That is a huge hole to deal with. And and he just had to figure out like, listen, it, it's kind of the, the thing Zim always kind of cracks a joke about. He's like, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. And, and the cavalry's not coming. We are who we got. And he was able to go through it and really coach along some of these guys and help them grow. So I think it's, it's a, it, there's a reason why he is as loved as he is. And it's because all of these guys respect what he has to say because he treats them as adults, but he helps them grow and that's what they need. And that's what they want. And uh, he's just an awesome, awesome coach. And it's great to have him here. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really crazy to think that if you look at a pro football focus article here that we have in the outline, the Vikings were 32nd in the league in the final evaluations and, and coach Patterson, if you heard in that interview, he really holds himself accountable to that stat. Like it, it, it eats at him. Um, He said it in the interview. He said, this was the, worst pass rush unit I had stat-wise in my 39-whatever-year career that he's been in the league. I mean, obviously, he's been spoiled with all those players. And when you have uh, an Afadio Denebo playing the most snaps at the defensive end position out of a crew, when a year ago, uh, before that, he was pretty much a rotational, um, late-down kind of pass rusher who really thrived in that role um, with six sacks in that role the season before. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this Vikings defensive end unit, how the uh, interior defensive lineman unit really develops and comes together um, with a guy like Daniil Hunter coming back. I mean, when you when you bring back a guy who had 16 starts, three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and 14 and a half sacks in 2019, that obviously impacts not only the team, um, but obviously the, the entire defense and the pass rush. I think that's really going to help the young cornerbacks as they continue to develop um, at their position. So uh, that's why I'm always amazed with how the cornerbacks played this year because we literally had a really tough time rushing the passer um, this past season, and these cornerbacks were really put in some tough situations in a Mike Zimmer defense. So um, as we go forward, let's look at kind of the situation here uh, coming off of that interview. Um, Jay, you really have it laid out of what we were missing and what we might be missing um, going into the new season. Daniil Hunter, we were missing him um, due to that neck injury. Obviously, that was something that came uh, during the first week of practice and, and into that first game against the Green Bay Packers. He was not able to play, ends up missing the entire season, uh, has a season-ending surgery, and lands on the IR. Um, that probably was the first domino to fall uh, last season. And when you have him returning – I think that just sets up the entire unit. That sets up a DJ Wanham um, to really get excited 
uh, to work under a guy that literally looks exactly like him and what it was in his same exact role um, just a few years ago in this Vikings defense. Uh, how about a Michael Pierce, Jay? I mean, he was the big Vikings defensive uh, tackle acquisition in the offseason. He decides not to play due to a pandemic that's going on, a rightful reason um, to not be a part of this team. But you bring in a player who with the Baltimore Ravens, that team was outstanding um, in the run and in, in the pass rush game. 14 starts, a fumble recovery, a half a sack, 35 total tackles, and three QB hits. I think the main thing was he really was a part of one of the top rush defenses in the NFL um, two seasons ago for the Ravens. So, Jay, when you have those two guys coming back, I think Andre Patterson has to be pretty excited for the improvements that will come this season. Yeah, I mean, that was essentially, at least going into the season, that was half of what your starting anchors were supposed to be for your defense, especially on the front line there. And and I think having Daniil, think about how much he changes just game planning for an offense. As as a, as big of a disruptor as he was, a guy like Daniil, if you get him back and, and he even gets half of that, he's, he's a, I think, a half the sacks. He's essentially leading our team in sacks this past season. So that is also a thing where he would turn into he's going to get the double teams and that frees up other guys on the the defensive line, including a DJ Wanham on the other side where they can't necessarily say double team left, double team right, just because it's it's kind of mix and match for for who's on that defensive line. You have to account for a guy like Daniel Hunter because he's one of the top five pass rushers in the league. So same thing with Michael Pierce. Michael Pierce was supposed to come in and help replace that that Linval Joseph piece that um, we had moved on from Linval last season. Bring in Michael Pierce. He's supposed to be kind of that guy helping control the line of scrimmage and, and kind of stuff in the run. Uh, that That's what they had at least planned for him. And now you were kind of saying, well, who's going to be our three technique? Who's going to be, you know, that other D tackle that's going to be rushing off the line. And when you lose both of those guys, now you're having to say, we need to coach people up in order to put them in positions that they don't normally play because they tend to play in more of a rotation. So I'd I don't fault the fact that they struggled as much as they did, given what they thought they were going to have. But I think what that also shows is that if you can get these two pieces back and you can possibly, you know, supplement in the draft again or get a DJ Wanham to step up again in year two, that will be absolutely monstrous for that defensive line. And like you said, if the corners were on an island as much as they were last year, that was hopefully as big a trial by fire as they were going to see. Because if you get that pass rush back on, then hopefully that will help them not necessarily feel like they have to be in an island, you know, for, for the, the rest of the time during a game. So I'm hoping that these two guys can can come back in, in in 2021 and really solidify at least half the defensive line. And we can supplement, whether it's free agency or the draft, some more pieces and components to help revitalize this defensive line for the next four, five, six years plus to come just given the way that things have gone over the last couple seasons. So yeah, I, I'm going to be super excited if we can get both the Neil and Michael Pierce back and have them be the, the playmakers that we assume that they would be. Those are two guys coming back and don't forget you, you return a Shamar Stefan um, in the middle of this defense as well. Uh, he's a veteran that was a part of all those big time defenses um, the past couple of years in this Mike Zimmer scheme. Uh, he's a big part of what Andre Patterson preaches and he's a big part of what makes Eric Kendricks um, the player that he is. Uh, I, I know Andre always mentions that. That's why I threw that in there um, after that interview. So, and and like I said, you get an Eric Kendricks back as well. He's another player who 
I mean, absolutely thrived in this defense, was the leader of this defense, and goes down with an injury uh, towards the end of the season. So it's pretty amazing that this Vikings team this past year, with all of the guys injured, uh, with all the guys missing, with all the players that left in free agency during a pandemic, uh, really had a chance to make the playoffs there and probably should have made the playoffs uh, last season. Looking at the 2021 free agent listing at the defensive line position for the Vikings. It's a few players. Um, one that we mentioned earlier, Afadio Denebo. He's a restricted free agent. Um, hopefully you can bring him back at a low price. Um, just just with how he played last year, he underperformed um, with his career arc and what he's done here with the Vikings. Um, I mentioned the six sacks the year before. He did not perform up to that in a full-time pass rush role um, um, this past season with the Vikings. So you look at the other guy on this list, it's an unrestricted free agent, and that's Jaleel Johnson. It will be really interesting to see what the Vikings front office and Mike Zimmer decides to do there. I know a lot of the older players in the room really respect Jaleel um, and, and the potential that he has at the position, but um, definitely two players that underperformed last season. Might be a product of all those guys missing, um, so we'll see what the Vikings do um, with that with those free agents, the restricted free agent in Ofadio Denebo and the unrestricted free agent in Jaleel Johnson. I mean, I'm really excited to see some of these rookies return, Jay. I want to see what DJ Wanham can do at his young age and, and what he's going to be like on this Vikings pass rush next to a Daniil Hunter on the other side. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like we said, you know, I think there were a lot of, a lot of praise was heaped on this Vikings draft last season by a lot of experts. And, you know, if you, you really look at some of the, the positions that they picked, yeah, we were a little thin at a corner and we were focusing on a lot of that, but think about the fact you drafted DJ Wanham, you drafted James Lynch at D tackle you also brought in, you know, if we're talking about linebackers a little bit, Troy Dye, um, and you're looking to, to have him potentially be one of those guys that can definitely put some pressure on a quarterback if, if we can turn him loose. You look at what happened last season, to be honest with you, if the stats weren't that great and you weren't getting that much pressure, I mean, sky's the limit. And if you can bring those other two guys back and then find one or two of those guys, not only to be a rotational piece, but even potentially a, a starter and, and somebody you can rely on, then you're looking at the fact that you would have at least three or four players that you can rely on on a weekly basis. And that's kind of what Andre Patterson was talking about in that, that interview of if you have your base level guys and then you're coaching up these other guys behind them to fill in either, you know, on a couple plays a game or period, if somebody gets hurt, that completely changes the mentality and the mindset of how you coach and how you, you work with this unit. So if, if some of these guys pan out and I'm sure there's a, I saw there's a ton of really good defensive line talent as well coming out this year. Um, just at least a lot of names that are being thrown out in the first couple of rounds. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting if you can definitely land one or two of these guys and supplement, whether it's free agency or, or the 2021 draft coming up. So keep an eye on that when you're watching to see how these Vikings are going to get better. And hopefully uh, there won't be as much despair with the way that some of that stuff had happened and, and the way the D line had played, I think you should definitely see a, a significant jump if these guys can definitely hit, you know, professionally here in the next couple months. Yeah, that's for sure, Jay. And and a few guys I want to touch on here that that you brought up um, in that comment and uh, Kenny Wilkes. I know we drafted him out of Michigan State late in last year's draft. Uh, he was injured early in the season, never even got to suit up for the Vikings um, in a regular season game. 
I think he has the potential to be. I know the Brian Robinson uh, comparisons were coming up uh, pretty early in training camp, and he was showing that he could really rush the passer. So look out for him. And then also a Hercules Mata'afa, who really played all around the Vikings defense after uh, being a cut early uh, during the season and, and being waived. He came back and, and really was a key contributor to this team. I know Mike Zimmer's a fan of what he can do, and I know Afadio Denebo was a guy who was waived um, year, uh, uh, years ago and, and ended up carving out a niche in this team. So look for Hercules Matafa. I, I mean, I like what he could do. I like he could, that he could play multiple positions. I know he's a depth guy and was kind of th- thrust into the role of being a, a starter-type starter, starter type player this past season, but um, look forward to what he can do. And the last guy I want to bring up is James Lynch. Uh, he was a fourth-round draft pick last year out of the University of Baylor. Never really got uh, too much of a rep count uh, this past season, but I really like what, what he brought in practice every day, and, and he's definitely another depth guy um, to round out the list. And the thing about James Lynch is he was a junior when he got drafted too, right? So like, he's still young enough where he's still going to be a little raw. And the thing I that always stood out to me about James Lynch He's the guy that John Randall pointed at and said, that's my guy. That's who I'm paying attention to. And that's the guy that I I think has potential in this league. If Hall of Famer, top 100 player in NFL history, John Randall is talking you up. I know that's that's a lot of a lot of praise and also a lot of pressure. But um, if honestly, John's got to see something in his game playing at Baylor that he, he thinks would translate and. I, I think if, if you can get a fourth round pick 24 guy like James Lynch to pan out at that D tackle position, that's going to be just gravy and awesome for this Vikings defense. Whenever John Randall speaks, I think everybody listens, especially Vikings fans. So definitely uh, look out for what James Lynch can do uh, going forward. But as we're on this topic of young defensive linemen, the guy who pretty much spends his entire year looking at these young d- defensive linemen, it's Vikings head of college scouting. It's Jamal Stevenson. And on the Vikings at Home show, you can listen to the full version of this interview with Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson. But let's take a listen to that interview here. No combine. There are pro days now. That process of, you know, trying to, you know, put a a player with a face, with a name, what he does on the field. How do you guys figure all that out right now? You know, like I said, we we had to go about our business uh, a little different this year, Um, but we we still got all the work done that we needed to get done as far as, you know, the college tape is going to tell you um, a ton about the player anyway. And that's why having a veteran scouting staff, I think, has uh, been so beneficial to us in terms of our guys reaching out to their sources and getting all this background information. Now, the scouting combine uh, basically being a medical event is, is you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our medical staff, our trainers, are, are they're going to get the information, the information they need to get um, as far as, you know, these a, a comprehensive medical background check on every, you know, combine eligible player. Um, but for us, you know, we're gonna we're not gonna be able to see the players work out at the combine, but we'll have pro days, mm-hmm. uh, which is just as beneficial. Uh, you'll get to see guys work out. Um, uh, you know, so it's different, but I think we're gonna come to the same result in the end. I love when we get to hear uh, Jamal Stevenson's insight at this point in the season. 
Uh, he is definitely always a good talker. He gives you a little insight into what kind of players that the Vikings front office is looking for in the draft, and I, I think he's just done an incredible job. I know Rick Spielman always gets a lot of the credit for some of the draft picks that the Vikings make, but this is the guy that's that's out there um, looking at these guys in person, seeing what they can do at the college level, and being able to make these decisions. So. I think it's safe to say with the theme of this episode that Jamal Stevenson's looking at some defensive linemen, uh, Jay, in this year's draft. I would assume, uh, you know, Jamal is one of those guys that he's not necessarily out front and front facing as far as the public knows him. They, they hear the name periodically this time of year. But Jamal is a guy who has done it the right way, come up through the system. They've trusted him. When Scott Studwell went to take kind of less of an active role and essentially retire, Jamal was the guy that was handpicked to be his successor on this stuff. And I know that Scott's still involved in different ways, but um, Jamal is is the focal point. He is the director of, of pro scouting for this Vikings club, and everybody trusts him implicitly. And I think, uh, you know, when he does speak, and as much as he can, you know, all these guys are guarded with not wanting to tip their hand or, or kind of push to what we're doing. But when Jamal and Rick and all of these guys have all of these hours and hours and hours of meetings that go on, he, he essentially has to be at times help be the tiebreaker when Rick and other people are trying to officially make their decisions. So it's always great to hear from Jamal as much as he's willing to talk. And um, I know that given our situation and the fact that we're about a month, month and a half away um, from the, the actual draft happening itself, I'm sure Jamal is also going to be speaking as we get closer to the draft. So pay attention whenever you hear the name Jamal Stevenson and, and hear that he's going to speak. Definitely listen to what he has to say because he is as plugged in, period, as anybody in this entire organization. Yeah, he doesn't speak too often, but when he does speak, I think you kind of take and, and, and listen to everything he's saying because he's clearly one of the main voices in in the room when the Vikings make their draft picks I think uh, 10 or 11 weeks from now uh, at the 14th overall pick he will have a big say in that so listen to what Jamal Stevenson has to say um, one more thing before we get into the franchise tag uh, season, which is coming up here in, in a week or so, uh, I want to talk about what Vikings.com's Lindsay Young is doing for Vikings.com and, and the content that she's been working on. Um, it's a, a very important topic. Uh, she's working with our players in telling their stories of dealing with their mental health illnesses and what they go through on an everyday basis. The first installment of this series was with Vikings defensive end Jalen Holmes. A really important discussion and conversation that was had between Lindsey and Jalen Holmes about the anxiety that he deals with um, on and off the field. I know it's something that a lot of people go through in life. Um, more people than than we know of because it's so hard to talk about. So, um, Jay, I, I thought that was a really cool piece, and there is more coming from your favorite Vikings. So, uh, so I really appreciate Jalen being the first one to uh, to be a part of this series. I know we had had a discussion a while ago when when Cy was on the show and had talked about the fact that when Everson had gone through his stuff and the organization was as positive and as supportive as they were, and and Cy kind of talked about his own own dealings with some of that stuff and and. The thing about this is I think everybody, especially now going through the pandemic, everybody understands that at some point with everything that's been going on, that life can catch up with you a little bit. And it doesn't have to be something where it, it's even a chronic thing. It just it can happen to everybody. And like you said, it's not necessarily something that everyone's willing to talk about. It's a vulnerable thing. It's, it's definitely something that can 
force people to feel like they have to suffer in silence. And Lindsay, I know this is a passion project of hers because of some of the stuff that, that she's had throughout her lifetime and dealing with friends and people that she knows um, that she truly cares about and situations that have come up. And that's part of why she's, she's thought about and talked about doing this for, for a while now. And there's a lot of people that are very supportive of her doing this. I think it's an awesome piece and it, it just goes to show you as big and tough and burly and strong and everything that these guys are, everybody also goes through some of the stuff and it's not necessarily just a muscle that you can flex or try to a cramp that you can kind of work out. This is pieces of trying to break the stigma of these guys being able to function on a day-to-day basis. And hopefully if people are willing to listen and to truly just understand what they're saying, maybe uh, there's some solace that can be taken in there and, and feeling like, you know, I feel this way too. And I think more than anything, it's breaking the stigma of being willing to admit at sometimes you need help, whether it's friends, family, professionally, whatever it is. Um, I think this is a really, really great piece. And I know that uh, it, it's kind of a mini series piece that she's going to work on here with interviews coming up. And um, hopefully that's something as well that we can reach out to Lindsay and have her on the show coming up here in the next couple of weeks as she does this piece. So be on the lookout for that. Definitely go check it out and, and um, just stay tuned because there's going to be more than just Jalen Holmes here this week. It's going to be a, a series of interviews going on about this. So it's a great piece and, and definitely check it out. Yeah, it's called Getting Open. Um, it will be on all the Vikings platforms, the Vikings social media. I saw a clip on the Vikings Instagram uh, the other day with Jalen Holmes. But, yeah, go check that out. There's long-form articles on Vikings.com, so a, a variety of content. Um, these guys are, are models to to the Twin Cities. And, and I mean, the, the whole country, what better – examples than football players when it comes to something that's that's not easy to talk about so yeah look for that and I can't wait to have Lindsay on the show um, to talk about something that affects pretty much every family um, this especially with the pandemic going on so that's for sure Um, all right from that topic back to football for the last topic of the show the franchise tag season is beginning uh, pretty soon here March 9th uh, 3 p.m. Central Time, and there are a lot of big-time players. ESPN.com actually listed their top 22 franchise tag candidates um, that, that will be probably put into that situation determining um, if they will be given that designation, maybe because of a big contract or, or whatever it might be um, that, that teams would want to franchise tag them. Here are the a couple of the top 22 franchise tag candidates uh we're looking specifically in the nfc north because obviously these players will affect the vikings at least multiple times a year and obviously in the quest uh to win the division so number one a couple of wideouts a running back um, but the wideout that really stands out is kenny galladay uh 27 years old the number one wide receiver for the rival detroit lions i know that there's a new front office and, and a new head coach and dan campbell um kenny galladay's 27 years old and the tag would cost about 16.4 million 
for the 2021 season. Uh, I think it's a tough decision, especially for a guy you might want to lock up long term. Um, but when you look at the roster and kind of what they've been through the past couple years with Matt Patricia and, and the Patriots scheme um, from the front office down, uh, it didn't work out there in Detroit. But like I said, you have Dan Campbell stepping in. You also have Vikings general manager Rick Spielman's uh, brother, Chris Spielman, um, who spent most of his time as a broadcaster for CBS. He's stepping in into a special role in the front office uh, where he'll be making a lot of the decisions here, Jay. It's funny how that works when you have brothers uh, in the same division as rivals against each other. But uh, what do you think about the speculation that was made here by ESPN's Michael Rothstein uh, on Kenny Gaude? I think there's a lot of players that looks like that uh, Detroit's going to have to make some decisions on and, and, you know, they're going to be in kind of fruit basket upset a little bit and that they have the new GM, the new head coach. I think a lot of people are going to be kind of trying to figure out, you know, what route are they going to go? They just got rid of Matt Stafford, brought in Jared Goff. You would assume a a top tier playmaker like a Kenny Galladay, who's still, like you said, 27 years old. Um, And that entire wide receiver group, it looks like is, is pretty much potentially gone like they have the ability as free agents to to potentially completely revamp this wide receiver group at the same point you know what do they want to do what is their focus going to be are they going to try to build around um deandre swift and and try to become more of a, a running running football team and have jared goff be back there slinging it or are they going to still try and bring back some of these other wideouts that are on their roster that are also free agents and i think a guy like kenny galladay you saw what that that Lions offense was like when he was gone they were able to to definitely put some bracket coverage and double coverage on some of these other players but when Kenny Galladay has the ability to take the top off um he's not at the Megatron level but he is clearly their number one wide out and so it wouldn't surprise me to to see a guy like Kenny Galladay definitely get that that franchise tag look um so yeah I'm, I'm really curious to see what Detroit does, because if they let him walk as well, then that means they have a completely different idea or style of that they want to go into. But if Kenny Galladay hits the open market, he's definitely going to be one of the top tier acquisitions at the wide receiver position. He's going to get paid big time. That was Michael Rothstein, uh, the Detroit Lions reporter for ESPN.com. That's who he speculated um, as the franchise tag in the NFC North. But what about uh, Vikings reporter Courtney Cronin? Uh, she speculated as well in the division, and she went with another wide receiver in the division, not a Viking, a Chicago Bear, another 27-year-old wide receiver. It's Allen Robinson, uh, definitely another player who has a big impact on what the Vikings do when they face the Bears twice a year. I mean, he's had 120 receptions, 1,250 receiving yards, and six touchdowns last season. Clearly a number one wide receiver no matter who's at quarterback. Um, the tag cost would be $16.4 million as well for the 2021 season. It is the average of the top five salaries at the position. So obviously Kenny Galladay and Allen Robinson would have the same cost um, with the franchise tag. So Jay, this is pretty much a similar situation. You have an organization that really has not gotten over the hump uh, in our division in the NFC North, and they're looking at probably wanting to keep their number one target um, in town. 100%. I, I just look at that Bears depth chart, and you see Allen Robinson is that name that stands out on wideout. 
Yeah, they had a, a dynamic uh, rookie in Darnell Mooney last season step up and, and make some plays, but Allen Robinson was the go-to guy. He was basically the the fly trap that anytime a you know ball came flying at him, he was catching that thing. And like you said, the the bigger question mark they have to figure out is just their QB situation, and and a guy like Allen Robinson is kind of that that nookie blanky that everyone always likes to joke about. If they lose Allen Robinson again, then they would have to turn around and try to go after a guy like a Kenny Galladay or or somebody else. There's there's another name on this list that I've got that would uh, kind of fit that bill a little bit too. But to me, Allen Robinson, he is as surefire as you're going to find at wide receiver. And I have a hard time believing that uh, Chicago would really want to let him go. So if they can't get a long-term deal done, it wouldn't surprise me that uh, – they would throw that franchise tag on him here in about a week and a half. That was the Vikings reporter Courtney Cronin for ESPN.com. So let's go to the Green Bay reporter. His name's Rob Domofsky. Um, He is the Green Bay Packers reporter for ESPN.com. He says uh, Aaron Jones will not um, be franchise tagged by Green Bay. That's how he spun his uh, take here for this article. He speculates that running back Aaron Jones will not receive the franchise tag. He is just 26 years old, and that tag would cost $11 million. Obviously, the running backs are not paid as well as the wide receivers in the NFL. Um, he had 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns, and the Packers are currently $11.4 million over the cap. Obviously, there's a lot of things with the salary cap changing due to the COVID season that just happened. So, Jay... I don't know. This one's a little different. How do you spin this one? There were rumblings during the season. I think Aaron Jones was really upset last offseason when guys like Delvin got their longer contracts. He was looking for similar money that he wanted, kind of a a long-term 70-ish million dollar contract. And uh, the Packers weren't willing to play ball uh, and there was a lot of speculation as to why. I also know that, you know, they've got Dylan sitting in the wings that they brought in from from Boston College before. But Aaron Jones is he is a difference maker, especially for a guy like like uh Aaron Rodgers. I just I feel like letting him go, they the article kind of speculated a little bit too, saying, Yeah, it's a luxury to have a guy like him and and not quite sure if he's worth that money. But I think the the bigger reason why Rob said he didn't think he'd be back is because he kind of felt like, yeah, the salary cap situation was a problem, but there's a chance that that Aaron being as upset as he was last offseason with just not being able to work something out, he felt a little disrespected and felt like he just might even resist playing. Even if they said, we're going to tag you, he might be like, that's cool, but I ain't playing because I want a long-term contract. So if that's the case and they lose out on Aaron, Aaron Jones, he'll definitely find a, a team that's willing to, to pay him. Um, and I just think for him, the, the biggest piece is he knows as a running back, if you got to get when you can, and if he can try and pull a, a 15 mil a year or, or somewhere between 10 and 15 a year for a long-term contract, that's what he's looking for. And, and I'll be curious to see if they let him walk where he decides to go. Cause there's a lot of teams that, that are probably a good running back away from really making their offenses click. So Aaron, Aaron Jones will definitely have some suitors if he doesn't get franchise tagged. Probably three uh, of the biggest playmakers in the division there, so definitely names to watch when it comes to the franchise tag. Coming up here on March 9th, um, that'll round out the NFC North picks. Uh, looking at some of the big names around the league, and especially in the NFC, I think I think NFC is what you have highlighted here. 
Uh, the biggest name on the list is Dak Prescott, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, unless a deal is put in place by March 9th, they will most likely have to franchise tag Dak for the second straight year. I know it's been a topic for Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys owner, for years now. When will he pay Dak Prescott for the long term? Well, this tag cost is going to be a little bit higher than a couple of the other positions. $37.7 million for the 2021 season. So do you want to give Dak um, a top five average um, at the quarterback position for one year? Or do you want to possibly pay him a little bit less um, to lock him up for the long term? The Cowboys went 4-7 and seven without Dak after his injury. That was Andy Dalton and a couple other quarterbacks, Ben DiNucci, um, who started at that position, definitely struggled. So we'll see what the Cowboys um, decide to do there. Um, it was Todd Archer from ESPN.com who covers the Cowboys. He says that Dallas will definitely use that franchise tag um, on Dak Prescott. So that will be interesting to watch. Another wide receiver, um, Chris Godwin, who had a really good season uh, for for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champion team in the NFL. Um, definitely inter- interesting to see what they do. They have it built a dynamic offense around Tom Brady, and this is a guy who was there for years before and obviously teams up with Mike Evans. So uh, Tampa currently has around $30 million in cap space. This would be the $16.4 million. Um, if they would choose to tag Shaquille Barrett, it would cost them $19 million instead. So kind of picking between those two players might have to happen um, for that for that to get done for Chris Godwin. Jenna Lane, the Buccaneers team reporter for ESPN.com, she says Tampa Bay will definitely use the franchise tag on Godwin with the intent of getting a long-term deal done. Um, last guy on the list, and this is probably a name that Vikings fans have heard when it comes to an interior offensive lineman that there has been some interest in over the years. It's Brandon Scherf, one of the best interior linemen in the NFL, first team All-Pro in 2020, uh, first Washington football team player since 1996 to earn that honor. I know uh, (laughs) he's probably one of the best and most consistent players at that position. He hasn't played a full season, though, uh, due to injury since 2017 and only played 13 games in 2020. Jay, that tag would cost $18 million. Uh, That would be a big one at the offensive line position. Yeah, he would definitely be getting a boatload of phone calls if uh, Washington were to let him walk, especially being a first-team All-Pro. I just I can't see it happening. Ron Rivera being there is kind of a stabilizing force. You're seeing all this weird stuff now where they're coming out saying Jeff Bezos might want to buy the Washington football team. Like Washington, and Gabe's talked about in the past, Washington tends to to always have kind of this weird swirl going on of 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 some uh, inconsistency and some chaos going on. But if they are remotely bright on this one, I think they're they're probably going to try and lock him up as long as possible. If you can find a good guard like this, especially a first team All Pro, you definitely try and lock him up long term. So uh, I would definitely think that Washington would would make an effort to do so. Well, Washington football team reporter for ESPN.com, John Klein, speculates the same. Uh, Washington will use the franchise tag on Scherf with the intent of getting a long-term deal done, but it may take a while, he says. Uh, I think it might take a while when it when the price is what it is for an interior offensive lineman um, of his standard. Uh, looking forward, we have the 2021 free agency coming up. It's probably the most exciting time of the year in the offseason, especially last offseason. And I think 
I, I would have to say it's probably going to be pretty exciting this offseason with all the quarterback drama that is going on in the league right now. The negotiating window starts March 15th through the 17th, and players can officially start on March 17th um, negotiating with teams. I'm really excited for that date, Jay. That's the big-time one. And obviously the NFL draft is set. It's going to be in Cleveland, Ohio. We're hoping um, that, it, that it will happen on time. April 29th is the date. Um, Vikings.com will have a ton of content uh, kind of predicting, uh, evaluating college, uh, some of the college players. I, I have a feeling that Ben Lieber might be involved in that because of the work that he does um, with Fox throughout the NFL season on the college football slate. So stay tuned for the coverage of what the Vikings will do in this year's draft and what they will do when they take to the to the clock at the number 14 overall pick. Jay, I think that's about it. I think we covered a lot for a pretty quiet week in the NFL. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? It just proves the NFL never stops. Where <laughs> There is 365-24-7. Yeah, we're only a couple weeks away from from the Super Bowl happening. And I know it's like we've been asking uh, internally for some different conversations to happen with the NFL. And they're just like, give us a second. We just finished the Super Bowl from a pandemic season. So uh, just constantly, as we always say, pay attention to what's going on. Check out our uh, all of our, our Instagram and all of our social media feeds here with the Vikings. We, we've always got a ton of stuff to cover. And um, again, like you said, this is the fun season because in the next couple of weeks, you'll start to see how teams really shape and develop potentially what their offseason plan is supposed to be. And uh, all that stuff's going to run through all the way to the the draft. And once that's done, then we're already in the offseason program and summer's going to be here and the season's going to be here before you know it. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned to Vikings.com and, and definitely check out everything that we're covering because we'll get you as much as we can as fast as we can. Well, thank you again, Jay, for putting this all together. Uh, does a great job producing the show, um, coming up with the content for the show. And, and yeah, really excited for what's in store for the Vikings offseason from free agency uh, to the draft. I think that there's going to be a lot of roster improvement. I think there's going to be some tough decisions that are going to have to be made, especially with some of the contracts. Uh, we'll get to those at a later date uh, when, the, when the time comes. But um, for now, that'll do it for the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Make sure to check out Lindsey Young's series, uh, Getting Open, um, where she talked with Jalen Holmes to lead off the conversation about mental health. And make sure to check out the Vikings at Home show tonight where you can hear the rest of the Jamal Stevenson interview, the director of college scouting for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, really good content in that show coming up, and you can find that on all of our digital platforms and streaming on the Vikings YouTube channel. Uh, thank you again, Jay. Thank you to all you guys for listening to the show, and uh, we will see you next week.